Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our online worship experience here at Lawndale. We are so glad that you're with us, especially for you who were not able to attend our first outdoor worship service this morning, and hopefully it hasn't been rained out. We are glad that we can connect this way through our live stream. We're going to start with a hand clapper this morning, so we want you to get those arms warmed up. This song states, I will sing forever of your love come down. It has an old-timey gospel feel to it. So join us and let's sing of his rescuing love and grace today. I will sing forever of your love come down. With my hands to heaven, shout your praises loud. I will lost in darkness when you pull me out. I will sing forever of your love come down. Sing this. I once was blind, I could not see. Chains of sin had shackled me, but God in heaven heard my plea. Then Jesus, Jesus rescued me. Oh, Jesus, Jesus rescued me. I will sing forever of your love. Come down with my hands to heaven, shout your praises.
aren't we glad that Jesus rescued us with his redeeming love? There are so many things that make up the greatness of our one living and true God. Too many, really, for us to expound on here. But Psalm 145 says a beautiful expression of who our God is. It says, I will extol you, my God, O King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord. So we stand in awe before him today to proclaim his greatness. Let's lift our voices and sing, How Great Thou Art.
soul is singing now as we celebrate the greatness of our God together. You know, we, we serve a great God. In Ephesians 2, one of the most powerful passages in the, all the Bible expresses us to us all that God is, wants us to know about faith and about his love for us. If nothing else we had in the whole Bible, we could we could rest on these verses alone, I think. It says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. It goes on to say in verses 7 through 9, so that in the coming age he might show his immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. Let's sing of his amazing grace today.
as it was and is. Out of your love, you provided a way for us to be reconciled to you through Jesus Christ. We give you our praise today. You are so worthy of our praise. We love you and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Dr. Joe. Thank you for joining us this morning. I will take it by the fact that you are watching this, that you're, have, uh, you're not able to come to our outside worship service or a storm came and we couldn't have it. But based on the fact we'll have some great weather, uh, we're planning on being there. This is obviously recorded before we have the service. And I pray if you watched this early enough, the service doesn't start till 9 o'clock. If you'd like to do both, it's okay. We'll not fine you or, or give you a double tithe. You can still come and enjoy it. But we're recording this because we know that many of you cannot be there to be in the parking lot, some for health reasons, some that may be traveling, or for a multitude of other reasons. So we wanted you to have this same message with the same passages that the folks will be getting here on the Sunday morning of July the 12th. The month's flying by, I know, but we're blessed you can be here, and I'm excited about God, what God wants to do. When I've thought about these last few months, one of the things that has impacted me and my thought pattern is, where, where are we as believers in the midst of all this? How are we faring? What's happening in our lives? What's happening in our church? What's happening to Christendom as a whole? What's happening in our nation? What's happening in the job places? So many questions arise I've got this book <clears throat> that I was given years ago. I've referred to it in different times. It's called The Worst Case Scenario Survival Handbook. I never thought how pertinent that book might be at some time, but I've got it here, and it has all kinds of scenarios, um, all kinds of things you probably never think about, just like some of the things that are going on today, perhaps you never thought would be possible. But here's one, how to wrestle free from an alligator. 
First of all, if you find yourself in that situation anyway, you probably weren't using too much sense. But if you do, and this alligator has got you in a hole, if you can imagine, you think you'd be panicking? Let me tell you what one of the things, the second thing you're supposed to do here, it says cover the alligator's eyes. This will usually make it more sedate. Well, I'm not worried about getting the alligator, alligator sedate. How am I going to be sedate enough to remember, oh, let me cover your eyes? Anyway, this is what they're saying to do. The worst case scenario survival handbook. Today's message has to do with the resurrection, how it impacts who we are. And I want to submit to you today, since it can get lost in the barrage of news and issues and statistics, I want to say today that the resurrection is the answer and the only answer to life's toughest questions. So stay with us today. We're going through 11 dynamics, how the resurrection is the answer to life's toughest questions. First of all, it has the answer to fear. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what? I'm afraid of job loss. I'm afraid of getting sick. I'm afraid of what might happen to our nation. I'm afraid of this. Just keep filling in the list. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Because of the resurrection, we can have the spirit. You see, the resurrection is the only answer to life's toughest questions. There's a lot of fear right now in our world, particularly in our nation. A lot of fear, but around the world. The resurrection, and so many people don't understand or believe in the resurrection. We have that. It's the answer to fear. Secondly, it's the answer to faith. The resurrection is the answer to faith. Well, what about the statement? I don't have enough faith. Romans 12.3, the word of God says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, So put your name in there. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith, the measure of faith God has given you. Not will give you someday, but has given you. So you and I have all been given a measure of faith. The resurrection is the answer to I don't have enough faith. Yes, you do. You do have enough faith. Appropriate it. Faith is an act of will. Faith is believing God's word. Faith is believing that someone that was pulmented on a cross, hung, bled, and died, resurrected on that third day. The resurrection is the answer. Thirdly, the resurrection is the answer to life's toughest questions. Worry. I'm worried. Lots of people are worried about lots of different things. Worrying is a sin, concern is not. Do not confuse being flippant and laissez-faire with what God is saying to do when he says don't worry. The Bible never rewards or awards laziness, slothfulness, sitting back. It does bless those that will be concerned and then take action. You will find that Jesus condemns the lazy servant that goes and hides his talent. So go out there and use your talent. Rather than worry, put those concerns into action. The Bible says we don't have to worry. Why? 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him 
because he cares for you. How much of my anxiety should I do? The word of God says, cast all your anxiety on him. So why does the Bible say that? The Bible knows that we can be some really anxious people, worried. The idea of that word has the idea of being stirred up. It's actually used like a dasher stick where they would take their uh, dirty clothes and dash them in the river or the uh, big uh, container to wash them and get the dirt out. Stop being stirred. Cast it all upon him. See, because of the resurrection, we have a risen Lord. It's what separates our worldview from all other worldviews. The world doesn't have it. That's why they're so anxious. That's why they're crying and clamoring for all the things they clamor for. But we have a resurrected Lord. Therefore, the Bible gives us the answer. Well, you know, what do I do? I, I cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. He, the one that created you, that created the universe, cares for you. The resurrection is the answer to life's toughest questions. It's the answer to fear, the answer to faith, the answer to worry, and it's the answer to direction. I can't figure things out, Pastor. I can't figure things out. Well, we have a Lord that can. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us what to do when we can't figure things out. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. You want direction? You want to know where to go and what to do? How do we act to this? Where do I go? What do I put my faith and trust in? What direction should I go? The word of God says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. When it says, don't lean to your own understanding, it's saying, don't lean on your feelings. They'll misdirect you. Lean on the resurrection. God that conquered death, that body should have never rose out of that tomb. He was flogged. He was crucified. All the blood was drained out of his body. And the word of God says he wasn't even recognizable. And he came out of that tomb. The resurrection is the answer to life's toughest questions. And because of the resurrection and Christ came out of the tomb, we can trust his words when he tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge is an activity. Acknowledge him in all your ways. God, how do I acknowledge you in this? How do I acknowledge you when I learn about that? How do I acknowledge you in being a source of peace, part of the cure? God says, acknowledge him first. And those things fall in place for you. They fall in place. And when we don't see it, it's okay because our trust is not in ourselves. Our trust is in the Lord. You see, the resurrection is the answer to life's toughest questions, to fear, faith, worry, direction, and to needs. Will I have enough? Enough of what? Will I have enough health in my body and good cells to not get sick? Will I have enough money to get by? Will I have a job? Will I have enough of this? Whatever. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Can you put a monetary amount on that? What are the glorious riches in Christ Jesus? You know how wealthy God is. He controls so much wealth that he was able to pay for the sin of the entire world throughout all of history. He paid for it. 
That's what he did. His wealth is beyond measure. His power is beyond measure. And he says, I'm going to meet your needs. And we have enough faith to believe in an almighty God and his word and follow that, not our feelings. We can get to the point and say, God, if my need is not to have a job, then I'm going to trust you in that. I'm not going to let those circumstances, that pathway God shows me, I'm not going to let that determine whether I'll love God and serve him. I'm going to let the fact that God is who he is, that he's the eternal I am. I will supply all your needs. I will be there for you. I will take care of that. Trust in me first. God is the answer to that, and his resurrection proves it. God, also through the resurrection, the answer to life's toughest questions, restlessness. I've tried to just go through a lot of dynamics that I hear from people as I speak with them about this day and time, as they witness what is taking place, restlessness. I get it. Let me raise my hand. I've been there. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all of you, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. When you find yourself in the middle of restlessness, and I understand, I'm not here preaching like I've never experienced it. I get it. But the Word of God tells us, The resurrection is the answer to life's toughest questions. And you see, this is really where the rubber hits the road, especially now. Because we haven't experienced times like this even in our own nation. Hard to look at. It's hard to think just with the virus and some of the other issues that are taking place and and some of the rioting and other things happening. And there's scores of them. You know what they are. It's very easy to become restless in our souls. I found that when I have to go back to the Word and cast my burdens and cares upon Him, it says, I'll give you rest. Take up my yoke, put it upon you. You work for me, not the world. You serve a risen Lord. I came out of the tomb. Therefore, I'm there. I loved you so much, I proved my love for you, and I'm going to take care of you. Because you'll be more effective, Joe, and whoever else you are listening out there, you'll be more effective when you're not living in restlessness, but when you're resting in me. Yes, the resurrection answered life's toughest questions to fear, to faith, to worry, to direction, to needs, to restlessness, and to loneliness. Do you know how many times in these last few months in speaking to some of our folks and some folks out in the community where I hear these words, I feel alone. You know, is... Is it one of the worst feelings a person can have, feeling alone? And some of our seniors have been shut up into a room, blockaded as you were, even meals brought to their door. So many feel alone. Even people that have compromised immune systems, they're shut away, quarantined, not just for a couple of weeks, but for months now. I feel alone. But that may not be your situation. You can be in a crowd of a lot of people and still feel alone. Word of God says in Hebrews 13, 5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you 
never will I forsake you. There are several words in, the, in, in, in God's word that are very impactful. And I want to bring this in some light and shed some light on this. In John 6, 37, Jesus said, all that the father gives to me shall come to me. And he that comes to me, I will in no wise never cast out. When the word of God tells us, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, no true believer in Christ is ever alone. And believer, take that upon you to understand, talk to Jesus during the day. That's the praying without ceasing. That's what the word of God's talking about. It doesn't mean start a prayer by verbalizing something the second you wake up and end it when you go to sleep. There's a lot of things to do in between that. Shower, perhaps drive a car, perhaps go to a workplace, prepare meals, all the things. Go to school. But the Word of God tells us that during the day, we can talk with our Savior. We don't have to feel lonely. Talk to Him. How do you talk to God? You talk to Him the same way you talk to a person, except do it with reverence. Talk to Him. Let Him know your heart since you already know it. Say, God, I'm feeling lonely today. Thank you for being near me. Thank you, God. I saw in your word this morning. Matter of fact, I was reminded how you were with the disciples when they had fear and they felt loneliness. How you found someone who was so desperate for a relationship, she had already had five husbands. It seemed like she had a lot of friends, but she didn't. She was probably very lonely. Zacchaeus was probably very lonely. But God wants to fill that. And because of the resurrection, he wants to fill it with his goodness, his peace. And this precious promise because of the resurrection, because I am eternal, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And even though we may feel like we deserve to be left and forsaken, that's irrelevant. God doesn't think that. Isn't that cool? God doesn't think it. I'm sure my kids from time to time when they were growing up thought, I probably need to be forsaken. We didn't forsake them. Came close a time or two, I think, but didn't. God, but God said, I will never leave you or forsake you. You see, the resurrection is the answer to life's toughest questions. And people that don't have Christ, what do they do with their fear? What do they do? What do they put their faith in? How do they handle their worry? What do they do with the direction in life? How do they apply themselves to the needs they have? What about their restlessness? And what about all the people out there in nursing homes, assisted living homes, in quarantine that are just feeling lonely? What about the people just in the normal circumstances of life that are furloughed now working at home? Loneliness is a real thing. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. It's more of a time to gravitate to that and seek God's word and be fed by God Almighty. Pastor, I can't figure it out. The resurrection is the answer to that question. Wisdom. Because of who God is and because of the resurrection, Jesus said, when I come out of that tomb and I leave, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into all truth. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. Who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. Isn't that great? And by the way, that's not a question that's saying if any of you lack wisdom. It's presuming it. Because you lack wisdom, you should ask God. Now, you can consult godly people. You, of course, look at the word. 
But when you come to that point where you don't know where to do, see, wisdom is the proper application of knowledge. God says, I want to give that to you. I can't figure it out. God's already got it figured out. Go to him. The one that conquered the tomb is the one that can conquer all the indecision and I can't figure it out. He's the one that will lead. And you can look at the path of Joseph as we looked at him for months now. And it didn't look like Joseph was very wise in some of the things that he did. Well, biblically it did, but to the world it didn't. But look what happens. You see, it's a marathon, dear friends. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. God's pathways will lead us in the right ways when we seek and follow after him. The resurrection is the answer to fear, faith, worry, direction, needs, restlessness, loneliness, wisdom, and ability. Pastor, I'm just not able. It has to do with ability. Watch this in 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able. And God is able. You're right. In and of ourselves, the word of God says we can do nothing. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Yes, we are. Yes, we're able. It's not a matter of being able. It's a matter of being obedient. It's a matter of trusting God. It's a matter of looking at his word and say, God, I'm going to get my selfish ego out of the way and just depend on you. And God, maybe for the first time in my life, I'm going to be a risk taker. I'm going to be a truth speaker. I'm going to stand up for what is right. I'm going to be a witness because I know what the answer to the world is, God. If everyone had Jesus Christ in the center of their life, this world would be so different, wouldn't it? That's the answer. That's the ultimate answer. You see, it's found in the resurrection. We don't have some Savior that's still in the tomb. He rose from the tomb, and he's the answer to life's toughest questions. Faith, fear, worry, direction, needs, restless, loneliness, wisdom, ability. It's God's ability through us that gets things done. God can work through the simplest people when we put our trust and faith in him to work through us and to work it out. I'm not strong enough, pastor. Strength. Psalm 46, and by the way, you're right. You're not, but God is. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present and ever-present help in trouble. Our strength runs out, doesn't it? Our strength does run out. God's doesn't. When you're depending on your own strength to the point that you begin to think it's all about you, it's not. God is our refuge and our strength. And it's easy to look at our world, easy to look at some of the circumstances and feel your strength getting diminished. Hearken back to the resurrection, the power that took Christ from that tomb and brought him through. And that stone wasn't rolled away to get him out. It was rolled away for people to get in. He came through it the same way he entered the upper room. God is our refuge and strength. And he's the one that will give us the strength to see us through Whatever happens, period. I hope so because I don't know what the future holds. Thank you for asking that. The future. The future. What about the future? Well, I like the book of Revelation, particularly the last chapters, because Jesus conquers all, comes back to rule and reign on this earth. Isn't that great? Ultimately, 
Our future after this earth is in a place called heaven. Our future is with the one when we get to see his face. We are changed and we'll see his face in the glory of what he is. The one that loved us, blessed us, died for us, cared for us. The one who's our strength. The one who supplies faith to go forward. The one that deals with our fears and our worries and our direction and our needs. Our restlessness, our loneliness, our wisdom, our ability and our strength. The future is in his hands and our future is bright. The world's future is not bright. If this is all they have, it's crashing down all around us, isn't it? Romans 8, 28. I've cited it different times during the Joseph series. I cite it again right here. The future, let's just wrap it all up. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Things may look rotten out there. And I'm sure in the early church, when a lot of these epistles and letters were written, things weren't looking great. I know we've got some really difficult times now. I'm not negating that in any way, shape, or form, believe me. But they were knocking on doors, taking believers to prison, stoning them, killing them, chasing them all over. The future. Don't think of it in terms of 20, 30, 50, 100 years. This life is like that. And all those people that lived for Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, all, all that time, it's, it's gone like that. They're in heaven. And that short investment that they made while they were here, God says, you take care of things here. Jesus said, <clears throat> send treasure ahead of you. Don't leave it all down here. And it's getting harder and harder to leave any treasure down here anyway, isn't it? Isn't it? Send that treasure ahead. You see, the resurrection is the answer to life's toughest questions. And there's books like this that are written. There's books like this that you can look at and find how to wrestle an alligator, how to escape from killer bees. It says get indoors as fast as you can. Did you need a book to tell you that? There's other things that it's got here. Uh, How to maneuver on top of a moving train and get inside. I like this. If a train is approaching a a tunnel entrance, lie flat quickly. Well, I didn't need this book to tell me that. I also like this one. For one of our folks here in our church that's a pilot, and he trains pilots, Van Duncan. How to land a plane. If the plane has only one set of controls, push, pull, or carry, or drag the pilot out of the pilot's seat. My friend, by the time you get there, I don't have to tell you what I put step two. Where's the restroom, right? If that's how bad that is, it's not good. It has this book, and I know, and by the way, there's five pages of what to do on how to land a plane. So by the time you get to page three, you're already in eternity, aren't you? But anyway, nonetheless, some of those things are kind of humorous and ridiculous. Life's toughest scenarios, life's toughest questions. Church, I have this message for this July 12th because I want you to be encouraged because somewhere along that line, something I mentioned may have been fear, faith, worry, direction, needs, restlessness, loneliness, wisdom, ability, strength, or the future. Somewhere along there, something's going to hearken back to your heart to want to make you despondent, to try and take you down. You remember as a child of God, 
The resurrection is the answer to all of life's toughest questions. And your Lord and Savior has you. No one can pluck you from the Father's hand. He is with you, and we have power in it. Don't be weakened by your feelings. Don't be weakened by what you see in the world. Be strengthened by what you see in the Word of God. And God will bless your life, and you'll have a fruitful time, and you'll be an investor in the things that last forever.